Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado's premier outdoor radio show heard every Saturday afternoon on KLZ 560 with insights on hunting, fishing, archery, guns, and ammo from Colorado's top outfitters featuring the industry's leading experts on how to enhance your experience in the great outdoors. Now, here's your host, Scott Watley. Good afternoon and welcome to Sportsman of Colorado. My name is Scott Watley. We appreciate you being with us alongside Kevin Flesh, our co-host. Kevin, how are you? I'm good. We had a good morning. We had a great morning. We went out to Rocky Mountain Roosters and uh, did a little pheasant hunting. That's right. Accompanying uh, Kevin's beautiful dog, Sugar. <laughs> Tell us about Our oh, Sugar's the mom. That's right. Yeah. Sadie. Sadie. Yeah. So uh, She's in studio as well. She's, Tell us uh, about that. She's not exactly going to be... Uh, getting on air anytime soon i don't think she hasn't quite learned how to talk yet at least we'll see how that goes what a great dog though yeah she's been great and uh super fun experience to get out there a little windy this morning a little cold it was yeah it was a little chilly this morning snow but uh the birds were holding nicely and we were able to get out with a friend of mine as well who has a couple of flushing dogs and so that's always fun to see how the dogs uh interact with each other and Man, not many birds got away this morning. I think we put 15 out, and I think we ended up with 15 uh, in the trucks. We ended up with 15, yeah. so uh, 15 for 15, so exactly. we did all right. Absolutely. Exactly. You know, t- let's take a minute. Uh, Austin Parr is going to be joining us to talk a little fishing, but um, uh, talk about what that's been like training a dog and what, what you've kind of learned in doing that. Yeah, so it's really interesting. This is the first dog I've ever had that I've actually hunted with. I've had other friends and used their dogs from time to time, but when you have your own dog, it's What's interesting to me is, first of all, I didn't train the dog uh, right out of the gates. I sent her to someone to have her trained. But then you've got to figure out after mm-hmm. they're done when they're, were they're puppies. So she was gone a couple of months, and, and when she came back, um, you know, a lot of the DNA has already kicked in, and they, they kind of do what they you got to manage, uh, especially, especially a pointing dog. Um, and it's interesting because you've got to figure out the temperament of the dog and what they're doing and how exactly they react to birds and and it's just amazing how quickly they have contact with birds and how quickly they learn how to deal with the bird. I mean, we saw it today right. even where she, we had a few birds run, um, and, you know, she's, this is her second full season. Um, her first season when she was having those pheasants or chuckers run, she'd run after them and bump those birds and, mm-hmm. and move them and so that they'd flush. Now she's, she keeps good distance, and, and she's really careful. And uh, I think it's just contacts with with birds. I mean, guys who who have dogs, we, right. you gotta you gotta run them, and you sure. gotta get them out in the field, because um, that's how the. It's just so interesting on how the dog actually learns too. Yeah. And then and then it's just working together. I think um, I was just back in Wisconsin in the middle of October, grouse hunting with her for a whole week, which was awesome. Uh, and my kids and uh, and it's again this is the second year that I've done it. Um, last year, of course, Sadie was really young. Um, and so she had never dealt with rough grouse and rough grouse run they're, they, they run more than let's say an upland bird, like a pheasant or a chucker run even. Um, and so I think it took her a while to figure out how exactly to deal with that. And so we were figuring, I think we got it dialed in this year. We, we shot more birds, saw more birds, and, um, she was better about really being good, um, watching how that bird's reacting to her and sure. being more not quite as aggressive as maybe she would have been before. Right. And and that just takes time. And it's amazing their energy and, and they love to hunt. Oh my I mean, gosh. I mean it's snow and I mean you right. think about what it feels like to put our oh, yeah. our feet on right. something cold. But man, they just there's no quit in them. No, none. And especially the pointers. I mean she will go 
I think until she drops. I don't mm -hmm. know. I've only had a couple of times where we've had her out for full days where you could tell by the end of the day she's like, okay, I'm I'm kind of done. But she, <laughs> as soon as she gets sent from a bird, though, she's she's on it, and uh, that's what they're that's in their DNA. And it's amazing as from puppies on. Talking about the training is you figure out how the individual dog wants to be handled. And um, that's the other thing is there's a real partnership after a while of figuring out what exactly you get to know the characteristics of the dog and how they react to mm -hmm. seeing birds and scenting birds and, and what exactly they do um, to figure out how to keep, to, 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 you know. So Sadie, we, you know Sadie's mom, Sugar. That's why right. you mentioned Sugar. Right. And Sugar used to be out at Kiowa Creek and uh, just an unbelievable hunting dog. Um, and so her mom, you know, would do these crazy things like do half circles around the bird. So she'd actually get the bird pinned all on her own. And that's, mm -hmm. I don't think that's anything you teach them. That's no. just something they learn over yeah. time. And, and that's just a really spectacular sort of, it's just part of the breed. And so they're cool and they're fun to watch out in the field. It's, it obviously was fun to shoot some birds, but it's also fun to see how, how they react and what they do with the, with the birds and, and just how the birds because every bird's a little different. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. Mentioning pets, let me tell you about Lone Tree Vet real quick. And you hear ads um, just about every day with our Haystack Help show in here. But I'm telling you, this is a, a great, great place. And if you've got pets and you're looking for a good vet, Lone Tree Vet is awesome. They're located at 8681 Lincoln Street. Um, they're in Lone Tree. And uh, they cover it all. You know, this last year, uh, we lost our 14-year-old. Uh, golden retriever and uh, Roxy and had to put her down which was horrific horrific <laughs> and so uh, hard and we were gonna wait for a while to get one and then my wife said no she needed something at the house cause she works from home <laughs> and so we got a eight-week-old golden retriever puppy uh, named Gracie now and uh, well we had no idea what we were in for but uh, boy Lone Tree Vet helped us through all the things with Roxy and going through that and then um, you know we got the new puppy and now we've done not the type of training we're talking about here on the show but just some obedience uh, beginning yeah. beginning puppy training yep. and and beginning people training man it, a lot of it's on us yes you know completely and uh, but they do a great job there with their puppy training and they've got boarding uh, they've got grooming. They've got everything you need there. And so if you are looking for a good vet, like I say, I, we cannot recommend anybody higher than Lone Tree Vet. And, again, their, their number is 303-708-8050. And um, suggest you go by there and just take a look. State-of-the-art facility, great, great staff, very friendly, and um, just handle everything under one roof. So a great place. All right. Austin Parr is still not with us yet. Okay. All right. So we're going to talk on cutting another subject, and we'll catch off Austin after our first break. Absolutely. Um, Kevin, I wanted to talk to you about this, and I was telling you a little bit before the show. So much on social media we're, we're seeing and people calling us where they book an outfit, deal with an outfitter that they don't know, and send them money. Some of them, they find out they send it. There's nobody even there, then yeah. their money's gone because they want a cashier's check or you right. know, and all this stuff. Some of the deals they've gone on hunts, but it's not what the person described the hunt would be like. So you just got to check out. And I'm thinking International Sportsman's Expo is coming. Yep. You got you know, booths galore there. And this is a great show. We're a part of it. Right. But I'm just being honest with you, folks. Anybody can get a booth. Yeah. So you got to know 
of what you're doing. You when do. You, you definitely do. And and these outfitters, you know, they have to have they have to be licensed through in Colorado through the Division of Regulation. So Dora, and you can go to the Dora site and uh, look up outfitters to see how their licenses and see if there's been any complaints. The biggest thing that I can tell you is the, the thing that I've learned in, in our practice in representing folks is you've got to make sure as the hunter that this outfitter is actually licensed, mm-hmm. um, especially for different hunts that you're doing and for particular places in which you're hunting. Because if you don't have permission, <laughs> <laughs> dog attacking me, um, if you don't have you know certain permissions relating to private land or you're hunting particular types of animals that you need to have an outfitter's involvement with, um, it makes it paramount because if in the event that CPW gets a hold of you and, you know, and, and finds out that, hey, the, where you say you shot this animal, I just finished a case this year where, where the hunter thought they were um, when they looked at a map at CPW when they were, when they were actually, they had the animal and they were, they were going to CPW to, to basically let them know about the kill. Um, then CPW was getting very specific about where exactly they were at, and they were in the wrong unit. And so it caused some real problems for that hunter. Now, that hunter is, was guided, supposedly. Right. And the guide was telling them that they were in the right place, but the guide was wrong. And so it's, it's not only making sure that you know that the guide is licensed, because that's important, um, and then you want to make sure that what they're doing is legal, because it doesn't always happen that way. And so... The thing that you do is, you know, obviously meeting people at at ISE show and hanging out at the booth and getting to know them is important. Mm -hmm. You certainly want to get references, just like anything else. Like if you're getting something done on your house, your car or whatever, you you make sure that you've got credible people that are doing that stuff. And uh, it's the same thing with outfitters. And don't pay them all up front because if you find out that you were wrong, you thought you did all your due diligence, you thought that you were getting into a good deal with this person or this entity and it turns out that they're they're fraudulent if you pay them all the money mm-hmm. it's just all that money you've got to try to get back if you you just like anything else you know maybe half up front or whatever they want and then you pay the rest just just at the time that you actually have the trip that's probably the best thing for you to minimize the risk related right. to that. and then if there is a contract which there should be there should be yes. <laughs> okay you know yeah you read it and if you don't understand it, give you a call. Yep. I'd rather spend a few hundred bucks having you go over it and saying, hey, what about this, this, and this? Absolutely. You know. and, and one of the biggest things that I see in those contracts is they're generally always written for the outfitter so that the, if there is a dispute, the, the person getting the hunt or, or whatever it is um, doesn't have as many rights as the outfitter does relating to attorney fees and other things. And that's what you want to make sure that, that is in there. And you can have a conversation with the outfitter about that and see mm-hmm. if you can get the contract changed. And if you can't, then you have to begin to wonder what exactly the outfitter is doing and if there's a concern there. Right. We mentioned International Sportsman's Expo. That is January 9th through the 12th, and um, we just received a few tickets that uh, they want us to give away on our shows. i tell you what, we'll do that right now. The first caller, 303-477-5600. Give us a call, and uh, we will get you a pair of tickets to the International Sportsman's Expo. This is going to be a great show this year. Kevin, you're actually going to be doing um, seminars in, again in this year. Yep, we are. We're going to do a little bit different topics. Um, we've been doing uh, the last couple of years. Well, I guess last year was the first year I did the full full uh, discussion about sort of just criminal law in general and, and use of weapons, that sort of thing, and the different types of trouble you can get yourself into. Right. Um, this year we're going to be talking more about that, but also... You know, there's been, we just get questions from mm-hmm. the show and, and in my practice, and I'm going to try to answer 
a bunch of those same sorts of questions that come up uh, whenever I'm talking to groups about what it is that um, they should be concerned about, hunting, fishing, and also concealed carry. Um, so it should be really informative, should be a good interactive uh, discussion with the crowd, too, hopefully. And again, Kevin's number at his law firm is 303-806-8886, 303-806-8886. We've got to take a short break. We'll be back with more right after this. Hunting Gear Outfitters, a specialty gear showroom for all your hunting gear needs. Hi, I'm Ted Ramirez. So if you're headed on a self-guided or guided hunt for deer, moose, or anywhere in the world, stop by Hunting Gear Outfitters, home of Caribou Gear Outdoor Equipment Company. We are located at 8955 South Ridgeline Boulevard in Highlands Ranch. Questions, tips, and tactics are free, so call 303-798-5824 or visit us at huntinggearoutfitters.com. You will regret not seeking medical treatment. Take it from Kevin Flesh with Flesh and Beck Law. Even small accidents sometimes create injury to human beings in the car. So I've, I've had a number of cases where the amount of damage to the vehicle is $1,000 or less. And the people thought they were okay leaving, leaving the scene of the accident, but two or three days later, then they have the whiplash or they have the symptoms that were caused from the accident. And so you just want to make sure that you get good information when an accident happens. Whether or not you feel like you need it, seek medical treatment immediately after an accident. Then call Kevin Flesh with Flesh and Beck Law for a free, no obligation consultation. Call 303-806-8886. That's 303-806-8886. Flesh and Beck Law, they get results. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. My name is Scott Watley here alongside Kevin Flesh. Again, it's fleshing back law for Kevin, and um, Kevin is with us uh, quite a bit throughout the year. Sometimes his duties take him elsewhere, but um, uh, Kevin is always with us. And if you ever get into something, and we're going to talk about that now a little bit with the um, um, Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and you get into some kind of deal, Kevin, where something does go wrong, um, you know, man. You want some legal representation. You do, and you got to be really careful about, uh, you know, Parks and Wildlife, uh, CPW, they're, they're law enforcement, just like the police and the sheriff and everyone else. And so um, had a client recently where they showed up at his door uh, in Westminster after he had a hunt on the western slope, and, and they, he thought that to begin with that they were, they were being very nice and they were collegial and, and just he thought that they were doing a survey relating to sort of his hunting experience. And he realized pretty quickly uh, once he got into the conversation with the officer that they were there doing an investigation of what was taking place in his hunt. And, and they, they thought that he had done something illegal right from the get-go, but they didn't really tell him that. So the thing that I would remind people is when you get into those situations, that you have just the same rights you do if you're stopped and pulled over and somebody's you know saying that they think you're under the influence of alcohol or that mm-hmm. you've committed any other crime. You have the right to not say anything. And I certainly would suggest that you... Um, 
CPW, you want to make sure that you understand why they're there, what's going on, and what the circumstances are before you start blabbing about your hunt and, and showing them <laughs> stuff and talking about what took place and and uh, because they're most likely they're doing their work relating to a prosecution of a crime and they're gathering evidence and so you got to take that into consideration um, when having contact with them and we see them out in the field I mean I sure Cherry Creek for example I see somebody out there a um, couple times a month you know and I, they're not coming over to my boat and checking stuff but they're around and you get to know folks but they, they have a job to do um, and you just got to remember that as, as much as you want to, I think, be amicable with them and comfortable with, with CPW and believe that, that sometimes they're there to do a different type of job and that if they believe that you've committed a crime, then they've got you in the crosshairs mm -hmm. and you just have to remember that. And so, um, you know, CPW is a little bit different because you've got the two aspects of, you've got the criminal aspect of it where they could charge you with a crime. And then after that is completed, then they have the aspect of determining your hunting and fishing rights within the state and within the compact of states. So it really can affect, uh, you know, nationally where, what you do for a period of time, depending upon how many points you get. And I think people forget about that, much like points on your driver's license. We have the same sort of point system for uh, hunting and fishing violations, and you can only get so many over a course of a period of time. And if you go over that maximum, then you have a hearing, um, and it's with a hearing officer that uh, goes around the state. There are a couple of them that do these hearings, and they want to hear about what exactly has happened. They want to understand what, uh, what violations you uh, finally actually were convicted of and then make decisions about what, how egregious, how mitigating, you know, all of the circumstances surrounding it so that they can decide what happens with your hunting and fishing privilege. And that's a really important part of the process for most of us who don't want to lose them. Sure. And so the important thing when you get charged um, is to look at those points to make a decision about, hey, I need to get somebody involved here. Some of them are quite minimal. You know, mm -hmm. you can send it in much like a traffic ticket and it's not a big deal. But if you're getting, you know, if you're alleged to have caused 10 or 20 points of violations, then you're getting into a range where you're going to most likely lose your privileges. Right. And you want to make sure that you have some good counsel relating to that. Right. And, and, and it's just like any other criminal offense. I mean, you, you show up in a courtroom, you know, wherever the violation was, if it's on the western slope, you're cited, you have to show up in Ure, or you have to show up in Grand Junction, you know, um, wherever you've been hunting, and that's the location of it. Um, and that's a different environment than, let's say, showing up in Westminster. <laughs> I'll bet you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, those are things that people have to take into consideration um, when getting into those situations and making sure that they're smart about what they're doing. I mean, it's much like we always talk about with having, uh, the fact is, is when you get pulled over by the police, you want to be polite, you want to be respectful. It's the same thing with a CPW officer. At the same time, you have rights in the sense that you don't have to tell them. Uh, anything if you don't want to and I certainly recommend that because normally they're going on hunches they're they've got sort of pieces of that of that puzzle that they think they can put together to to bring a claim against you for a criminal uh, allegation but a lot of times people give them the most important pieces that they need to to complete that transaction right. and they're doing I mean the way we are today I mean they can do things with you know bullets to tell what absolutely came from or the broad i mean they can tell they're taking dna from, dna stuff i mean yeah they're they taking tell a lot they can and they'll dna they'll do an actual analysis of let's say i've got a, a case where there was a carcass left that they thought not all the meat was taken properly 
and then they went to the person who they thought had killed the animal and asked for some of the meat that they had in their freezer so they could do a DNA analysis to determine that it was the same animal. I mean, they're willing to go out. I've had other cases where they've brought in officers from other states to, to basically be, uh, what's the right word for it? I guess that they were basically posed as hunters as well mm-hmm. um, and, and purchased a hunt through an outfitter because they wanted to see how the outfitter was handling the hunts. And, uh, you know, so it, there's lots of resources there if they want to use them to make sure that uh, they think they can get the conviction that they really desire. And that it happens. I mean, and, and they're motivated at times because they're people out there that they think are bad actors. Right. And if you've got a tag in a certain unit, make sure that's the unit you're hunting in. Right. And if your outfitter looks at you and says, hey, it's okay, we've got permission to do this or something, and it's not the right tag for that deal. Yeah, it's not. You need to get in your truck and right. leave. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. And you want to make sure, I mean, there's lots of good mapping softwares out there now that we can have on our phones, we can have on a tablet. Sure. You need to make sure that where you're hunting, you know that you're in, in a legal place to hunt mm-hmm. and that you're in the unit that you have the tag for because there, there really is no excuse anymore. There used to be, you know, you'd get up in the mountains and you didn't have GPS and you, you had the paper map and you thought you knew where you were. Um, and you, you had an honest mistake. I don't think that's the case anymore with the electronics that we have. All right, good deal. Again, Kevin Flesh, Flesh and Beck Law. Charlie Austin saying the number is not, make sure our phones work there, okay. And uh, we're going to try to get Austin Parr here in just a moment and talk a little fishing. But again, it's Flesh and Beck Law. And um, Kevin, here's what I always say. You know, whether it's your concealed carry, whatever the case may be, I want somebody that's got experience in that, that knows yep. about guns, knows about hunting. I mean, we just came back from hunting this morning. Right. So, I mean, we're hunters. And so you want somebody on your side that understands things. Yeah. And uh, I had an interesting thing happen to me last week. I went to a movie over in South Glen, and I think it's, I don't remember which movie theater it was, but it was right there in sort of that new complex where the old mall was in Littleton. And th- there was a guy there that was checking bags um, as we were going in, and I had a conversation with him because he was checking to see if anybody had concealed carry, and he wouldn't allow people to come in if they did. Okay. The interesting thing about that, though, is he was only checking bags. He wasn't checking anybody's, any, anybody's <laughs> coat or their back of their pants, right. just yeah. the small purses he was worried about. Right. All right. Our time is short here, but we've got Austin Parr with us from Discount Fishing Tackle. Austin, how are you, sir? Doing excellent. Been busy down here today, Scott. Hey, man, no worries. That's and, man, good. we just always appreciate getting you on even for a few minutes. Oh, yeah. So uh, give us a couple-minute of report of what's going on around. So everyone's really kind of gearing up for ice fishing a couple of weeks early at the moment. Uh, we typically are not seeing this much ice uh, anywhere really at this point of the year on, on years past, but places like Delaney Buttes and Lake John have both capped. However, are not safe, but high-elevation stuff is getting going uh, along with the snake river inlet at dillon uh, the salmon aren't up in there really heavy yet but there's a lot of trout and some char that are up in there at the moment but all of those things are uh, really starting to get going but even with the ice fishing especially with some of this warmer temperature that we're going to be having over the next little bit here uh, some of your river fishing up in the mountains is going to be fantastic so places like the eagle and the colorado the flows are are a little bit lower than what you find in the summertime so they're very easily weightable and whether you're a conventional angler or a fly fisherman the fishing has been fantastic on anything from uh, HD trout lures and marabou jigs on the conventional side all the way through RS2s, small midges and egg patterns 
on the fly fishing side, but those have all been been productive areas to try and target. And then Chatfield and Cherry Creek uh, have been quite slow as of late as the storm has moved through. But once again, this storm is really going to help fire things off. I'm thinking out there, uh, water temperatures drop really significantly, and we're going to be moving into a fall pattern as we can get some of this uh, the barometric pressure to level out a little bit over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I was curious to see, have you heard any reports uh, of trout chasing streamers and that sort of thing as well? I'm assuming that's, that's going on as well. Yeah, so places like the Dream Stream have been going for a while now with some spawning runs, and there's still some rounds that are up in there doing that. And then heading down, especially on the Colorado, that's one of my favorite places to, to do that as of late. So going down toward the Pump House or even moving down to the Radium Stretch, even as you move all the way down toward Glenwood Canyon, uh, yeah. the ice is not significant as of yet. And the apps, it's been absolutely fantastic. And, and the streamer fishing down there is, is some of the best in the state. All right. Austin, um, hey, what's happening down at the store? And uh, are you guys into doing some seminars uh, still right now? Yeah. So right now we're, we're kind of in a little bit of our, our uh, off time for the seminars. But as we move into the middle part of November, we're going to start to be doing uh, free ice fishing classes down here that are going to be all-encompassing on, on beginner ice fishing classes, everything from safety to where to drill, locations, how to ice fish, how to read sonars. So all of that's going to be coming up here very shortly. And then uh, as far as down there at the store, anyone who is, is listening to the radio right now that needs to get some stuff for ice fishing, come on down and we'll give you 15% off if you mention Sportsman of Colorado. Hey, man, we appreciate that. That's very, awesome. very, Kevin's eyes just lit up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Austin, hey, man, I appreciate it. And uh, we will definitely uh, get you on again here. And we appreciate you being a great partner for us. And uh, Absolutely. We appreciate it very, very much, sir. Absolutely. Well, if anyone can start to, to get the hunting off their brain a little bit, even I struggle with it at times. There's still some great fall fishing to be had, and early ice fishing can be certainly effective. And once again, I certainly appreciate you guys having me on. All right. That's Austin Parr, Discount Fishing Tackle. Get by and see him. Let him know you heard about him here on the show. 15% off. we got to take a short break. We'll be back with more right after this. You will regret not calling the police after your accident. Take it from Kevin Flesh with Flesh and Beck Law. It's one of those situations where you want to make sure that you're covering your own self. And we talk about harvesting the evidence yourself, getting pictures, getting recordings of things and doing all of that. And that's important because sometimes the police get it wrong, but the majority of the time they get it right. And they're going to be trained to ask the right questions. Our public servants are there for that sort of thing, whether it's a small accident or a big accident. They're trained to get this information so that we can rely on it later. Always call the police after an accident. Then call Kevin Flesh with Flesh and Beck Law for a free, no obligation consultation. 303 806 8886. That's 303 806 8886. Flesh and Beck Law. They get results. This is Scott Watley for my friends at Phoenix Weaponry. Phoenix Weaponry is proud to announce their new 10,000 square foot facility is now open in Berthard, Colorado, located at 504 North 2nd Street. With this expansion, Phoenix Weaponry offers a new retail area and expanded gunsmithing in Duracoat and Cerakote areas. Family owned and operated, Phoenix Weaponry offers the finest in competition, hunting and long range precision firearms. Also, suppressors from 22 long rifle to 50 caliber for rifles, pistols, and shotguns. Phoenix Weaponry also offers gunsmithing services and restoration repairs from antique to modern firearms, building your firearm dreams into reality. 
That's Phoenix Weaponry. Call them now, 720-340-2496, or visit them at phoenixweaponry.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush, weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Just a reminder now on Sundays, if you miss our live show on Saturdays from 1 to 2, you can catch a re-airing of that on Sunday mornings at from 8 to 9 a.m. And then once again in the afternoon from 4 to 5 p.m. Well, glad to have Jackie Guccini back with us. And uh, Jackie, you can follow her on Facebook with Bo Crazy. And that crazy is with a K, so K-R-A-Z-Y, Bo Crazy with Jackie. And uh, But today we're going to be talking about the ultimate extreme huntress. So, Jackie, thanks for being with us again. How are you? I'm doing well, Mr. Scott. Thank you for having me. You bet. You bet. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And, man, when I look back, it's, it's just already been like five, six years. I've, we've met you the first time there at the ISC show and uh, when you had just won that one. But uh, for those that aren't familiar with the contest, just take a minute and kind of explain how all of it came about and then how you got involved in it the first time even. So... All right. Well, for back then, it was the Extreme Hunters competition. And in 2011, I competed for this competition. And with all the help from you and all the rest of the folks in Colorado and all around the world, I won that competition and went to Zimbabwe, Africa in 2012. So this year for the Extreme Hunters competition, it was our 10th anniversary. Hmm. So they chose four of the previous 10 winners to compete against each other for the ultimate extreme hunters competition. And that's how this came about. And I was chosen amongst three other women, uh, one gal from Sweden, Montana, Idaho, and then here I am in Colorado. And so then what we did for the competition is, um, is we then went to the FTW ranch in San Antonio where we were given Ruger uh, rifles, a 6.5 and a 3.75, and they put us to the test in precision shooting. Um, for our 6.5, we were shooting long range, and our 3.75, we had moving targets, and we also had a biathlon. And then, uh, so once all that was videoed by uh, the producer of the show and also by cameraman, and then we all left to go to Zimbabwe, Africa, to hunt dangerous game. And that's kind of what the whole show is about. They have 13 episodes. Uh, right now we're in our fourth episode, and they have a new episode that airs every Sunday on ExtremeHunters.com and on Amazon Prime. And it's a series of all the competition put together in one. And then what they're going to do is uh, 60% of our score is from the judges, how Larry Wasoon and Olivia Oakry judged us. Right. 30% is our skills challenge of how we competed at the Bayathlon and in the two precision shooting. And then 10% is voting. And so I uh, did win the Bayathlon. You know, I did not do that well in the precision shooting. So I do feel that I did well in the judges' score. So I'm hoping if I can win this voting, Mr. Scott, that I may have an opportunity to win the Ultimate Extreme Hunters competition. And that would mean the world to me because as you mentioned like it's actually been six years i've been helping coordinate this show and this is like my finale for the ultimate extreme hunters and i'm just looking for local support um it would it would mean a lot to me and if i don't win hey we're all winners no matter what 
I'm still going to, you know, help women uh, get involved in the outdoors and kids and empower women and teach them and train them and whatever it is I can do. So I'm not too worried if I don't win, but it would just be an honor if I, if I would be the winner just to kind of have that as, you know, no right because I've supported this competition for so many years. Absolutely. So what do you attribute the growth, um, and the change, I feel the change that seeing more females in the outdoors, um, you know, and hunting and, and I mean, waterfowl, I mean, archery, I mean, everything. I feel that there's a lot more women that's out there like that's hunting and everything, but I feel like we've kind of, I do feel we've always had a, a handful of folks, mm-hmm. but through social media, I really enjoy it because I get to meet new people and that wants to do the same thing that I love to do. Like right now we're fixing to do an all-ladies goose hunt on the western slope, and I'm super excited because if it really wouldn't be for social media, it would just be me and one of my girlfriends going. But now I'm able to reach out to some gals from the eastern slope, and they're going to come hunting with me, and I'm super stoked about that because I get to share the same passion of hunting and being in the outdoors and providing for my family that those women do. And so I really think that it has increased over the years because I tell you what, as you know, back in 2012, we didn't have a lot of little Jackie Guccini's running around trying to, you know, <laughs> hunt dangerous games. That's sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I have seen it. It's it's a broad a broad um, spectrum right now, and uh, I don't feel that it's as challenging as it was. The the one thing I do feel there is some great product out there, and you know, I'm I'm kind of smaller than most, but I still kind of struggle with the right gear, mm-hmm. and I try to help gals or kids that are, you know, that need that support of what kind of gear that we can uh, utilize and that's going to work for us to keep us warm or so that we're not sweating in our season, et cetera. You know, that's the only one challenge I still see out there. But other than that, I I mean, they're making rifles that fit women and muzzle brakes and everything for us now. So I really enjoy it because it's making my hunt. And I don't want to say easier, but it's a little bit easier because I feel more confident in my equipment, you know. I know, because well, you know, when I first met you, and then you were talking about shooting a 375, and um, I mean, I'm like, man, that is a lot of gun for a little gal like you. <laughs> yeah, and, and the new one, so uh, I, my first go around, Mr. Scott, I shot a 375 H&H with 300-grain bullets, Barnes bullets, and I tell you what, after nine times of shooting that thing, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to shoot it no more. I like, don't either. I felt like yeah. they're going to fall out, you know? Yeah. And so I had this uh, this uh, Ruger rifle that they provided for us this year, the 375 as well, and they had a muzzle brake on it, and it was fit, so like I actually didn't feel like I was trying to reach for that trigger, you know? And I really, I, I'm not going to lie, I was flinching a little bit. And yeah. It took me, as you'll see, as you watch the precision shooting, you'll see a little bit of that. You know, I did, and I'm an archery hunter, I'm not making excuses, mm-hmm. but I was a little bit nervous uh, kind of shooting that gun. And then after I got used to it, I'm like, this is not at all what I anticipated. I mean, I love shooting, and I told my hubby, I'm going to put a better scope on here. I'm going to utilize that, you know, on my bear hunts and, you know, some of my elk hunts and stuff because it, it, I really love shooting that gun now and not it's a it's a it's a different gun than the the other one i right. have but just in five years the difference in technology is is kind of you know uh, it, it's it's changed sure. so much and i didn't think that it would have but i'm excited about you know the new technology coming up with the scopes and the rifles and 
and uh, it's going to make my hunting, like I said, I, I feel a little easier, you know, and not as challenging. Right. Jackie Guccini is our guest. Once again, it's the ultimate extreme huntress. So here's what you need to do to help us out and help Jackie out. Go to extremehuntress.com and then a forward slash voting. And when you go on there, you'll see pictures of the contestants. Just make sure you click on Jackie's picture there. And you'll have to enter your email address there. Now, you're going to get an email to whatever email address you put in there. And this is very, very important. You must confirm that or, or your vote will not count. So we need you to follow through all the steps. And again, it's extremehuntress.com forward slash voting. Put your email address in there. You can vote for her. And then you will get an email. And Jackie, I forgot, who is that email from? Um, Crowd just, Signal. Crowd Signal, that's right. And then, yes, sir. Uh, and then just confirm your email on there, and then your vote will count. So I hope that you'll do that. We've got about eight weeks left uh, to do that. And, hey, if you've got some other friends and family members and all, get them to go on and do that and put in their vote for Jackie. So, Jackie, what got you started, really, I mean, you know, as a female and, and early on in your life with hunting and enjoying the outdoors? What what kind of got all that started for you? <laughs> you know, I tell the story a lot, Mr. Scott. And uh, My daddy and my brother stuck me in the duck blind when I was really little, and I was too tiny back then, and I had to pick up their shotgun shells. You know, I grew up in Louisiana and was, you know, came to Colorado later on in my adult life. And that's how it started, and I just loved being out there, loving on the water and all the ducks and geese that would come on in. And then from there, I just stayed in a duck blind for a long time shooting ducks. And then after that, I was always a fisherwoman. You know, I grew up on the water. You know, I mean, I probably have left feet because I was. I grew up on the beach fishing every day, surf fishing. But, um, but yeah, that's how I started in a duck blind. And then from there, we, you know, we started hog hunting right. and uh, continued on. And I came to Colorado and uh, started pursuing my passion for big game hunting and just you know picked up a bow and just really truly fell in love with with the sport and and uh from that point forward i just took it to the next level and that's kind of how i started and how i got involved and you know not coming from much in life i said well i'm not gonna go to four to go on these hunts i gotta figure out something different and <laughs> That's how I put in for the Extreme Hunters contest, and I won. Next thing you know, I'm hunting Cape Buffalo. Wow, <laughs> I know. Yeah. And, man, it's so cool to, uh, you know, I, I got mine uh, in 2016, I think, my Cape. And, uh, boy, I tell you, that is an unbelievable hunt and an unbelievable experience for sure. Well, Jackie, hey, you know, we're going to do – go ahead, go ahead. we got time. You know, and I was just going to tell you, you know, uh, as I matured in hunting, Scott, I didn't realize the importance of wildlife conservation until I kind of got a little older, you know. Right. And once, I, you know, you got to go to Africa, you were able to see, you know, the the, the positive um, folks that love that you're hunting because all that meat gets donated to those villages. And, sure. you know, that's the, their one source of protein and, and knowing where your meat comes from. And now that I'm older and understand that, you know, that's another important reason why I'm hunting and fishing a lot is because... I want to know where my meat comes from, and I'm the one hunting it or catching it, and it's in my freezer, you know, for us for me to be able to provide for my family. Absolutely. And it took me a long time to understand that. No, and it does. And, you know, yeah. and I mean, it's an education for all of us. And, you know, when we try to, because, you know, the Africa thing, I mean, I mean, a lot of people just don't understand why you go over there and do that, but they don't understand what that money does for the economy there and, like you say, for conservation for the animals. And that's why, you know, South Africa, I mean, man, there's a ton of animals, and all of them are, you know, healthy and 
all the different herds and all the thing because of hunting. And, um, man, it has just done great for, for South Africa. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, Jackie, we are going to do everything we can to help you. So um, let's touch base here again in a few weeks. We'll get you back on, and uh, we will try to keep those votes coming to you. And uh, we sure hope to have you back on and recognize you as the winner here in a few months here on the Ultimate Extreme Hunter. So we'll sure do our best for you. All right. Well, thanks, Mr. Scott. I appreciate it. All right. Again, go to extremehunters.com forward slash voting. And then when you do that, you'll be putting in your email. You're going to get a confirmation email to whatever email you put in there. Please make sure you confirm that email so your vote will count. And, again, you can follow Jackie on Facebook there at Bo Crazy, and that crazy is with a K, K-R-A-Z-Y, Bo Crazy with Jackie as well. So, Jackie, thanks again. We appreciate it. All right, thanks. All right. Have a good day. You too. You're listening to Sportsman of Colorado. we got to take a short break. We'll be right back. You will regret not seeking medical treatment. Take it from Kevin Flesh with Flesh and Beck Law. Even small accidents sometimes create injury to human beings in the car. So I've, I've had a number of cases where the amount of damage to the vehicle is $1,000 or less. And the people thought they were okay leaving, leaving the scene of the accident, but two or three days later, then they have the whiplash or they have the symptoms that were caused from the accident. And so you just want to make sure that you get good information when an accident happens. Whether or not you feel like you need it, seek medical treatment immediately after an accident. Then call Kevin Flesh with Flesh and Beck Law for a free, no obligation consultation. Call 303-806-8886. That's 303-806-8886. Flesh and Beck Law, they get results. Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality eye and vision care for over 50 years. Stack Optical is a family-owned business, and they're proud to be one of the few optical offices that have their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. Your one-stop shop for all of your vision needs, eye exams, glasses, and contacts. And don't forget about the Stack Sports Pack. Let owner and certified optician Alan Stack customize a pair of specialized glasses that will make your next outing on the golf course or on the gun range better than ever before. Call today for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. That's 303-321-1578. Or check them out at stackoptical.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to go to the phones now and talk to a new friend of the show and a new relationship we have just established, Dustin McDonald, and he is with Swagger Bipods. And uh, to give you some quick history on this, I had no idea about Swagger Bipods till just a couple of years ago. Uh, we actually did a hunt with Jeff Nimnick. Uh, you've seen Jeff at the International Sportsman's Expo and uh, kind of a, a really world-renowned coyote hunter and uh, jeff is the real deal and uh, boy he had these swagger bipods on his ars and i'm telling you they were just like no other bipod i had ever seen much less used and uh, it seemed like no matter what terrain we were on or 
what kind of hillside, just whatever angle, whatever way I needed to move. And with coyote hunting, man, you've got to be very careful in your movement, of course. So no matter how we moved, uh, boy, this bipod just let you do what you needed to do. And so we're going to talk about those today, and you're going to hear a lot more about them on our show here in the upcoming months. But Swagger Bipod. So Dustin McDonald's with us. Dustin's a sales manager. Dustin, how are you, sir? Scott, I'm fantastic. Hello down in Texas. <laughs> well, hey, man, I, I love Texas. That's where I was uh, born and raised, and uh, I, I now I do love Colorado now. But uh, I tell you, uh, Texas will always be my home for sure. So Swagger Bipods, man. Yeah. First of all, I'm going to really feel bad as a, a sportsman, and you say they've been around for X number of years here because I had no idea, never heard of them until Jeff showed them to me. But give us a little history on Swagger Bipods and how these things came about. So Swagger was a gentleman's creation because he was an older guy getting on up in age and also had some disabilities with movement. And so his whole goal in life was to design something where he could support his rifle, move however he needed to move, and, and, and have it be adjustable for height at the same time. He had a lot of trouble getting up off the ground you know as an right. older guy sure. you know, like i said he was i think that this gentleman you know was in his in his 70s when he invented this thing so he just didn't get up off the ground as quick as he used to and he thought man i gotta figure out something to help me hold my gun and and, and move around and do the whole nine yards and so that's where he conceptualized the swagger and he brought it to us about five years ago to basically saying, hey, I've got this. I'd like to market it. Y'all, y'all's company has another big brand. Would, would y'all like to work together on this project? And we we did, and, and we took it, in, and we've run with it since then. And you know, what we found out, as you're, as you're saying, is for for coyote hunting, it's it's probably the best option out there for for varmint hunting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I. I'd love to say that we own the coyote market for bipods. It, it, that's it's a it's a niche market, but you you know anybody that's on the forums or on the Facebook pages or all that. I mean, you see a lot of swaggers on guns in those forums and bipods or or you know. So mm -hmm. I'm going to say that we own the varmint market, you know, because that's what it was designed for. Strictly, that's what the guy invented it for. He was a coyote hunter. Right. So I think that's why the coyote varmint guys have picked up on it so much. Gotcha. And, um, you know, and it looks like, and, um, of course, radio is a little bit harder to do than TV, but, I mean, uh, it looks like it's, it's just so easy. And when I saw them in person there, it's so easy to attach to, you know, whether you're shooting an AR or a normal rifle and all that. So kind of go through y'all's thought, thought yeah. process on that and just the whole design of it being easy to, uh, to apply to your so, weapon. Yeah, so what you know, a lot of people's first impression of it is it's big, it's bulky. How does that hook onto my gun? I've got, you know, this gun, and I, I, I don't understand it. Well, what we did was try to become as universal as possible with it. So it comes with the adapter that will connect to any standard bolt gun rifle swivel. Now, there are some guns that have an integral, you know, rifle sling adapter into the stock. Ruger makes one. 
some of the new Remingtons, the 783s, they've got an integral sling swivel adapter. So there are some firearms that, that our bipod will not fit on without some customization. Okay. But we tried to be as universal as possible with if you've got a bolt-action rifle and you've got a, a regular old sling swivel like we've all seen for the last 50 years, right. my bipod will fit on your weapon. Okay. You know, if, if you've got an AR, we, you know, we have a pick rail adapter that we've designed. It's a one-piece adapter. You need about three inches of pick rail on your handguard, and my bipod will attach to three inches of, of pick rail on your AR. So it's, you know, we've tried to be as universal as possible with our Hunter series. That's that's our, I guess you call it our flagship or, or whatever you would the Hunter Series bipod is our main bipod. And okay. That, we make that in a 29-inch and a 42-inch. So, you know, it. I get the question a lot of, will this mount to my gun? If you've got a sling swivel, yes, sir, it will mount to your – yes, sir, it will mount. I've got an AR. How do I mount it? All you need is about three inches of pick rail and this one-piece adapter. It's going to go right on there. It's really simple. We've got some videos online that demonstrates – you know, how to mount them, mm-hmm. uh, that's at shootwithconfidencetv.com. Um, and that's one of our slogans is actually shooting with confidence just because, like you said, with all the movement and the capability of our bipod, you can be confident in any position shooting. Yep. No, absolutely. Again, Dustin McDonald's with us. If you're just jo- joining us, he's the sales manager for Swagger Bipods. You can check them out on their website, swaggerbipods.com. Also, you can check them out on Facebook. And as he said, they've got a, lot, a ton of great videos there. And uh, and I'm telling you, you know, I mean, uh, I've shot several other bipods throughout the years and tried different shooting sticks and all the different things. And I'm telling you guys, Guys and gals, I should say, you got to check out these Swagger bipods. I'm telling you, they are unbelievable. And um, and you mentioned, you know, 29 inch, 42 inches. I mean, man, that covers a lot of territory there for you to really get in the right uh, height that you need. Yeah, it does. And one thing that what we've seen, well, I've seen it personally, and we since I've started telling everybody about it, you know, we youth. Getting youth involved in the shooting sports and the hunting is a, is a big deal across the country. We all want the youth to hunt. Well, my son is nine years old, and he is a very avid hunter. Well, I can put that 42-inch bipod on his rifle, and he can stand up and shoot it like if he was shooting off of a, wow. of a standard shooting stick, and it will support his rifle, his suppressor, you know, we do a lot of nighttime hunting, too, with thermals. Mm-hmm. And so it'll support all the weight that he's got and allow him to move any direction he needs to while, you know, still having the stability to make a shot at 160, 150, 200 yards. And so we see a big benefit to the youth with this, with our bipod, just because of the flexibility and the heights of it. Sure. So let's kind of run through your product line a little bit as it stands today. Um, so you've got the Hunter Series, which you just talked about. Yes, sir. Okay. And, uh, and I've, also, I've also got uh, the new QD version, which is pretty much 
our answer to the, the, the people saying that, hey, your bipod's too bulky or off, it, it's kind of their answer or our answer to them. You know, it, it's, it goes directly on to anything with a pick rail. So if you're a turkey hunter and your shotgun's got a pick rail on it, will it connect right to your shotgun? If you're a crossbow hunter and your crossbow's got a pick rail on it, it connects right to your pick, to your crossbow. You know, if you're an AR hunter, it connects directly to your AR with no adapters, no nothing. Well, we also have included a, an adapter that comes with it to go onto uh, bolt action rifles that have a, a standard sling swivel. Or we have an adapter that goes onto the magazine cap swivel of a shotgun. So it's a very multi-purpose uh, quick disconnect it's kind of a hybrid shooting stick bipod because hmm. it can detach from your weapon so you can carry it around but then it actually clips on directly to give you the same support as our hunter series okay wow all and, right and you'll if you're um you know you're you, the guys that are garment hunters that are listening to your to, to this um to the radio you know john collins he's uh he's a he uses that, that QD all the time. He loves it. He's making 325-yard shots off the thing on video, so it's just as stable as our original platform, just in a quick attach version. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then and, what's left? It, and so we've also got our new shooting sticks, which, you know, at first glance, which like I said on the radio, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to see them, but you can go look at them. We've got the Stalker Lights. So it is that we've got a 36-inch height shooting stick and a 72-inch height shooting stick. And it's it's almost hard to describe how that how it works, but it's a shooting stick like nothing else anybody's ever seen, I will assure you of it. There's lots of videos, and you should go and check them out. Super lightweight, super packable, and, just, and you still have all the movement and all the stability of a shooting stick just from our movement gotcha wow well man i tell you i'm excited to um get mine in and uh and like i say yep. after shooting them here for a couple of years with jeff nimnick there i'm telling you i was just like man that is the greatest invention ever <laughs> because you know hey yeah, as you so. get a little older and you start man you used to could hold a little steadier or whatever and uh and no matter what your age is sometimes boy you just get that buck fever we'll call it going a little bit and you get to shaking a little but man this gives you that complete stability and again any angle any position you got to twist and turn your body just a little bit no matter what that bipod goes right with you and uh works really really good so uh, again, now give us that website, um, oh, swaggerbipods.com, and then you were talking about Shoot With Confidence TV? Yeah, we've got shootwithconfidencetv.com as well, which is where okay. all of the, you'll see all the hunting videos, all the demonstration videos, that's, that's all there as well. Okay, good deal. Well, Dustin, hey, man, we appreciate it. We're going to be doing a lot more of these and um, interviews with you and letting people know about this great product that will really change their um Hunting success, I believe, uh, 100%. So, man, we appreciate you being with us today on Sportsman of Colorado. Scott, I can't thank you enough for inviting me. You have a great rest of the day. All right. You as well, sir. All right. We want to thank Dustin for being with us. Again, folks, it is swaggerbipods.com. Check them out. Also check out Shoot With Confidence TV. 
Com. We want to thank Dustin. We want to thank all of our guests, Jackie and all the other folks that are with us today. Most of all, thank you for joining us here on Sportsman of Colorado. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend and leave it right here on KLZ 560. expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country Station.